Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Two Man Game. I'm Bob Ramsey, and there's my partner, Matt Rocchio, as we try and break down everything that's going on in college and pro basketball, in particular, St. Louis University Billikens. Um, tons of news to talk about and uh, with everything going on there. And obviously, the NBA is an ongoing story. Um, as we uh, visited with everybody uh, a couple of days ago from Memphis, um, where the Billikens lost and we watched the Grizzlies play and win. Um, uh, the aftermath of the uh, Memphis Tigers Billiken game wasn't really the, uh, the ending that we wanted Matt uh, for the Billikens. Um, and I, you know, I think the spread was uh, 12. So Vegas wasn't too far off, yeah. but I don't think the, uh, I don't think Billiken fans are probably um, happy with the way they got there. No, certainly not. And I think there's a lot of Billiken fans who probably didn't watch as intently in the second half because of what happened in the first half. And I think that's definitely thing that probably moved some people's thought process about the game, maybe a little bit more negative than in the end what they probably should have come out with. But yeah. that's that's reasonable. The first half was was a very ugly game of basketball. I mean, that's that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, you weren't making shots. Uh, you were turning the ball over at different points in the game. It, it looked very much like there wasn't a plan of attack, uh, you know, with the guys on the court. Um, so, I mean, the start, I would say, was actually a lot rougher than the end uh, if, when you're actually just looking at the game. But overall, I think you're right. After the, the positivity that you just couldn't help with after a 3-0 and start, I think there are certainly a lot of people who are coming down a little bit more after that game. But I think there were a lot of positives to take away at the same time. Yeah, and I used uh, I used uh, the phrase two word phrase from the '60s and '70s that applied generally, but each guy had some spe uh, specific angles on it, and that is freaked out. The Billikens were freaked out to start the game. Mm -hmm. In my humble opinion, uh, I haven't talked to Travis since the game, um, so I'm not sure uh, if he would agree with that, and he probably wouldn't. But that's okay. He's the coach. He's a positive coach. He's going to keep everybody pumped up. But you could go through several of the guys that had a rough first half, and you could make the argument that Jordan Nesbitt was trying to prove too much, uh, trying to prove to his ex-team um, how good he was. Um, for whatever reason, Martin Linson, I don't know if he felt like if he read too much of the, uh, uh, of the hype and headlines of the bigs, and um, that freaked him out if he was trying to show he was as good or better. Um, but his first half, I mean, when he came out a couple of times, I felt awful for the young man because you could see he was so frustrated and so upset with his own performance that um, it was driving him crazy. I felt really bad for him. Then you look at the six turnovers from Uri Collins, and I would debate anyone and disagree with anyone if they didn't say that he was trying, he saw what was happening to his teammates and tried to do too much on his own. I don't think, I don't know how you would convince me otherwise. Um, that's just not his kind of game. So we could go through guys, you know, on through the lineup, and I'm not trying to pick on guys, but three so called star, or if not star, at least, at least key players for the Billikens who must perform for the Billikens to play well. And um, that first half didn't go their way. As you point out, Bills were only outscored by a point in the second half, and um, they corrected a lot of those things after halftime. One well, man, one of the big takeaways I had with Yuri was 
it was early in the game. I think SLU was only down by three. And five seconds into the shot clock, into the possession, Yuri just steps up and, and, and takes a three-point. And I was like, that just – it seemed – it was, I think, indicative of a team that was just out of sorts and wasn't playing their game almost from the minute. There was about two solid minutes there from the beginning where it looks like they were – they had the right mindset. And then two or three plays happened where, you know, Bates came down and threw a slick pass or – Euro stepped 17 feet, you know, 17 feet across the court to set himself yeah. up for a layup. And things just kind of unraveled for there, from there. And it's that's one thing for me. If you see if 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 Slew's close or trailing and Yuri's pulling up an early shot clock three, that's that's a bad sign of what's going on. And here here's what's interesting. On that given play, I'd want to go back like you do and look at tape. Um did he do that because he really thought that was going to be the best shot or did he come down to set up and nobody was where they were supposed to be? And it was out of frustration, all of the above. The point is that's regardless of the reasoning, that's not the shot to take because if everybody's disorganized, you still have the time to come back and reorganize it. On the other hand, um, you know, uh, if it's a good shot, and then that really, the only one that, that can really tell us what's a good shot because he makes the personnel decisions is Travis Ford. And, uh, <laughs> but I think most people agree, probably including Travis, that was not the shot he wanted right there. No, and, and I think a big takeaway, just when you look at Yuri's game and some of the trouble he had getting the ball to certain guys in those six turnovers, but also the trouble some guys had in getting their shots off. I think the big question people want to know just right off the bat when they look at this team is can they is there a middle ground between what we saw against Memphis and what we saw against the first three games of the season in other words can they get their shots off and can they run the offense they want to run against a legitimate you know tournament level team not even a ranked team just a you know a top 60 team in the nation can they get out and play the game they want to and at that speed that they're going to have to against those kind of teams. And that's why I keep going. I, I keep harping on this and I probably will all the way through not the non-conference schedule. That's the SOS eight games. Well, the Billikens are 0-1. Yep. They'll get another one theoretically on Wednesday if Buffalo wins their game and the Bills win their game and they play Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That'd be the second game. And then, then after that, they'll go to Boise State. That would be the third game. We'll start to get a handle on the uh, t- the answers to those questions that you asked um, in the next uh, 10 days and um, the, 12 days, those things are going to start to fall in place and we'll see where the Billikens are. God, this basketball season crept up so fast. And the fact that it's just breakneck speed, I mean, three games in the first four, you know, three games in the first five days, and then a big game against Memphis. And now you just talked about it, three huge games that could define not only your non-conference season, in schedule, but could define your season and what kind of basketball team you are just like that in 12 days. It's just this season, this basketball season overall, the NBA season, the college team, it seemed to have crept up very fast and it's just immediately paddled to the metal. A couple final notes to take out of Memphis before we move on in, in rock. One of the things we talked about the guys who freaked out one guy who didn't freak out Terrence yes. Hargrove Jr. Yes. He showed into that. But even at six, three, six, four, um, that he is the athlete, but not just an athlete, the basketball player. 
that can play with anybody in the country. I mean, he proved it. it it's, yeah. it's not a debate. It's not a debate anymore. He proved I mean, it. You, I was just talking about the speed of the game. I mean, the guy plays, you know, three inches taller with the same speed as a guy who's six, four out when, in the open court. There's just, you can't deny it. You saw it then there, you know, there's no BSing about the level of competition or anything. He was high flying and running the court with the athletes that Memphis has, including guys like Duran and Bates. And so that's legitimate. And he was doing it at a high level. And really, when you think about how few chances they had compared to other games and how yeah. often he was able to take advantage of them and get out and be open for the pass and find the, those spots and constantly be filling the lane in those kind of situations, the way that they were able to find him different shots without ever really having him be the key focus of a half court set was very impressive. And then the other thing I'll take out of it is the, uh, the rebounding in particular, the offensive rebounding. Now, oh, uh, Earl even mentioned it on our Camel X broadcast about um, uh, players padding their offensive rebound stats because they missed the layup and got the rebound back again. But even, <laughs> but even, but even with that rock that goes to show you, you're on the board, you're dominating. Nobody's taking it yeah. away from you. Francis Okoro, of course, led the way, but 23 offensive rebounds uh, and, and the Billikens were, I think, within one on total rebounds on the night mm-hmm. with the longest team in the league the Mem- uh, in the country in the Memphis Tigers. Am I, am I saying they're going to out-rebound every team this year? I'm not saying that. My point of that is that was the number one question. How are you going to replace the rebounds of Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French Mm-hmm. And through the first four games of the season, it doesn't appear that that's going to be the main issue that we feared. Two other uh, quick players I want to highlight from that Memphis game. One of them you were just talking about, Francis Socorro. He had a great game. Obviously, if, he, if he's able to just get, you know, six total inches combined across those first three dunk attempts, it might be a slightly different game early on because he was dunking with the rim just a couple minutes too many times. That was unfortunate because he was getting great positioning. But are you starting to think we might see a change in either the starting lineup or just the rotation overall between Martin Linson and Francis Okoro going forward? Not even anything against Martin Linson. He had a rough game, yes, but more so the fact that I think Okoro keeps showing more and more defensively and offensively his ability to be a you know a big you know a big effect at the rim again, both offensively and defensively. You can't really lose that. He's good moving his feet from the perimeter. And I think this is a huge thing. He hits his free throws. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a funky shot. I don't really like it. He starts out with his hand on top of the ball and you go, oh my God, what's going to happen? But somehow in that motion, and it comes kind of quick. You're watching the ball, right? But his hand comes off and is on the side. I don't know why he does it, but it's, it is effective um, uh, to uh, tap into a Rick Majerus line uh, startings for high school. Um, but it is always lineups. You know, yeah. I'm a lineup nerd, no matter what yeah, the sport is. Yeah, we said that is. a lot. Yeah, um, but the, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if over time, maybe even as soon as, as, as Saturday, that the lineup could change. I'd be a little surprised if the minutes of the bigs changed very much, unless it's Lucina Traore getting more minutes. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. There, I mean – Coro just – he really just stepped I – mean, and more than that, I, we talked about this, them being a vocal team defensively. He was 
as a team leader and being vocal and, and talking to guys, you know, if somebody made a bad play, yep. he was either, you know, in the conciliatory mode of kind of, you know, we'll get him next time. Or there was a couple of times where you could tell somebody was out of position and he knew it and he was going to let him know, Hey, we got to be here. We got to do this right. And, and I like yeah. that early signs of leadership from somebody who's really hasn't been, you know, around this team that long. I love our bigs. I love them. You know, we've had many years where we didn't really have any, where we'd play with a six, three center. Um, mm -hmm. many times in, in Billiken lore, but having three legitimate bigs in this day and age. Um, I, I really like I really like that group a lot. Last point uh, from the Memphis game, uh, Gibson Jimerson, uh, a tough game to evaluate because he only got three shots off. Does, does after seeing the increase in shots that we talked about preseason kind of come into play those first couple of games? Is it worrisome to you that we only saw three shot attempts from him? Um, disappointment, but not worried. Um, it's clear to me that Penny Hardaway said this kid on the perimeter is not going to be this. And you can take anybody out of a game. It just depends on how far are you willing to go and sacrifice. Take Michael Jordan out of game, put five guys on him, but then everybody else is going to have a dunkathon. So you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. they chose to take Jimerson out of the game. They were counting on their length and their shooting ability, and uh, they took Gibson out. That's going to happen sometimes. It'll just, it's just going to happen sometimes. Yeah. The key is for his teammates to step up so that they have to play Jimerson honest and straight up. That's why it's a team game. Yeah, it's going to be important going forward. And that's why all the other people we talked about, Yuri scoring, obviously Nesbitt having a much more cohesive game is, is so very important. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 a little bit forward. Obviously, they're they're facing off against Mercer tomorrow evening. Uh, Mercer one and two so far to start their season. Uh, but right now they got a pretty good high low game going with their yeah. big guy, uh, their big guy um, Hayes and, and the and the guard Alvarez. They're really good. They're they're putting up numbers right now despite only winning one game so far. I think and, it's what is it, four players in double figures, I think, four or five. Four play, yeah, yeah, they got another guard who's at, at about 10 points, and I think there's a forward who's about nine and a half, nine point eight, 9.8 or something along the line, just short of just short of double figures. So they obviously they don't have trouble scoring the ball. And so there's one thing I really want to highlight because we saw it problematic in that Memphis game. I want to see if it carries over and if it's a – is it, you know, the fact that it's a Monty Bates and, and Jalen Duran run in the pick and roll or just maybe an issue with how they're playing it, which is – do we think we see an issue with the pick and roll defense against Mercer? Because that was an early issue in that Memphis game. And it seems like with the way Mercer's playing, that's going to be something they try to exploit early and often. I don't think it's a problem. It's a problem when you're trying to guard multiple number one first round draft choices. That's, I think that's the problem. Um, the the Billiken still forced a ton of turnovers against Memphis. Billikens can can defend. Um, did they have some breakdowns occasionally? Yeah. Uh, it, even in the three games they won, they didn't play perfect defense. It wasn't a shutout, right? So the uh, uh, so um, you know uh, I forgot what football old time football coach said. They own scholarship too, meaning you know the other the other team the other team is, is going to play too. And uh, I am confident that the Billikens will guard. And I'm confident that um, uh, they'll be able to, to handle a pick and roll and that sort of thing. One thing that does concern me, and it, it does almost every year, um, how you stop dribble penetration. 
-hmm. more than the pick and roll dribble penetration can be the one that can be a backbreaker. So as you watch the pick and roll, I'll take notes on guarding dribble penetration and we'll get back together and compare our notes. Yeah, Alvarez is the guard. Robertson is the other one. Uh, I think I might have said the the, the big man's name. It's I, it's H A S E. It's Haas, not Hayes. I wanted to say I Hayes when so. I saw it like that. It's Haas. Yeah, you're right. It's Haas. Um, right. But the guards are both six two, and they're good drivers. They're quick and speedy. But I think Okoro probably you know volleyball spikes one or two of them because of that. Uh, yeah, I think um, like you say, uh, I think now. You reverse it a little bit. They're not a little team. I think they go six nine, six six, six six, six six, mm-hmm. and a couple of six two guards. That's six guys. Yeah. You know, what I mean, they're they're top scorers. So it's not like they're a little team, but they're not Memphis. And so with the Billikens' athleticism, it makes guys like uh, like Nesbitt and Hargrove play bigger than their their height on the on the roster sh- says. Plus the bigs you have. I think the Billikens will be able to impose a little more will inside. I would look for a dominating rebound performance. You talked about still being able to play defense. I, I don't want to keep going back to the Memphis game, but that's something that just jogged my memory because we talked a lot about, hey, they're going to be able to score this year, but where's the defense going to be? I think that that Memphis game kind of righted some questions we had after those that 3-0 start, which was, you know, they're reaching a lot. Are they getting away with cheap steals, or are the, is this a legitimately good you know, especially off the ball uh, defensive team. And I think we saw some signs in that Memphis game that says, like you just said, this is going to be a tough defensive team. So if the offense can carry over like we think it is, and this is how they're playing defense, this certainly could be a very strong season for SLU. Travis Ford uh, in this season and in in the Memphis game in particular, but generally um, really highly values deflections. Um, Steals can come and go you got to be real careful hawking for steals and, and being careful not mm-hmm. to get out of position. But um, they the, the Billikens highly, highly valued deflections. And uh, you saw those occur even against a dynamic Memphis team. So I, I expect that to continue. That's that that's a good sign from Salute because, again, I think the, the offense was a big question, you know, after the injury. But we had a little bit more confidence there. And now to see the defense right this way. I'm I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see how they bounce back and play against a team like Mercer. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I really, I I firmly believe that um, Jimerson and the other three point shooters, uh, they're going to be fine. Uh, The overall team number is a tiny bit low. Um, uh, But, but I think that'll be fine. The free throw shooting continues to be very good. And, um, I there, there's no reason not to expect a solid effort against Mercer. And let's give Travis Ford and the team some credit because for how much we harped on that last year, I think we got to give him some credit now and talk about that a little bit, how incredibly solid the free throw shooting has been in. And obviously, you know, Haas, you know, he, he, that was a big struggle of his last year and, you know, throughout his career and, and not and having Goodwin. him, you know, that and good one. Yeah. He struggled a little bit as well, but nonetheless, a big thing that we always wondered, Travis Ford is, one of the best free throw shooters ever. It seems odd. This is how his team shoots the ball. And to see them kind of get back to what we think uh, uh, an average that makes sense, that's that's a strong thing to see. And it'll be key in, you know, if they're going to, you know, if they're going to play good defense and it's going to be close games, especially in the conference season, that's how you win close games. 
Yeah, and 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 if we talked about it before, Gibson Jimerson's got to get to the line more, which means going back, circling all the way back to what you're saying about creating shots, cr- creating those foul shot opportunities. And the other guy is Yuri Collins, who I know it's early in the season, only four games, but so far has had a dramatic improvement from the free throw line. Yeah, got it. And you know what? Uh, he's just – he's so damn fast and his dribble's so tight. He's – I, that's one thing I keep watching for is he's just he's going to kill people on the drive as soon as I'm not sure if it, why we're not seeing it a little bit more often. Maybe it's just there's so many opportunities for him to move the ball after he creates that penetration that that's just naturally how his game's going to go. And I'm fine with that. The guy's going to be, again, the, the career assist leader at SLU by the end, by the all is said and done. But I mean, yeah. it wouldn't shock me if we see him have you know, a 20 point game once or twice this season, just because there's oh, a yeah. team that decides to sell out, sell out on covering the shooters and say, you know, make him beat us. And it wouldn't shock me if he a hundred percent does. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's a, a I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that evaluation. Yeah. One quick question. We're going to talk about the NBA, but I wanted to ask you something. One of the big questions, one of the big games that happened um, the same night that slew uh, fell in Memphis was Seton Hall's huge upset over Michigan. And the thing about that that's crazy to me, I know it was a very close game, uh, but a lot of people pointed out that Michigan only shot 42% from the field. Seton Hall shot 40% from the field. And Seton Hall shot 55% on 18 attempts from the charity strike. I don't, rem- I cannot recall many top five ranked teams losing to an unranked team while not being outshot from the field, while not being outshot from the charity stripe, and while while they were outshot from the three-point line, it was only on a difference of like three or four attempts, and it wasn't that big of a discrepancy. It's honestly one of the weirdest top five upsets I've ever seen. Kudos to Seton Hall, but I'm I, I was I'm trying to go through the calculus to figure out how it happened, and I can't figure it out. I wish I wish I I know we were going to talk about this. I I would have poured over the uh, box score better, and I don't remember some of those totals. I don't does it have something to do with turnovers or offensive rebounds? I don't know. I'd have to go look at it. Weird. But, you know, and I saw somebody talking about all the upsets, trying to take a shot at the Big Ten. Um, two Big Ten teams that night lost to two Big East teams. Folks, it's oh. the Big East. Forget the yeah. rankings. We're not yeah. even two full weeks into the season. The rankings mean bupkis. It, it's, 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 it, they're not relevant to anything. And But the leagues are. If you're playing a Big East team, you better have your big boy pants on. If you're playing a Big Ten team, you better have your big boy pants on. That's that's so. Oh, they were ranked big upset. Yeah, okay. Did you did? That t- sounds to me like it's people that lost money on those games, and that's why they're so disgruntled. <laughs> You're absolutely hundred percent right. That's what moves. I mean, it's sports talk now, Rammer. It's twenty twenty one. That's that's the name of the game. In fact, I'm sure yeah, there's, somebody, there's somebody yelling at the end of our episode saying, "Where are your picks? What lines do you like tonight?" Yeah, the you know the um, I guess we could get into that. Um, sometimes it's kind of fun. Everybody always asks me the day of the game or the day before a game. Hey, what's the line? What do you think? Um, it's funny. Before I looked at the line, I thought, um, and I think when I did look before the game, it was eleven and a half, the Billiken Memphis game. And uh, but I'd said before I looked it up, I said seems like a dozen's about right. So. You know, that time I, I agreed with Las Vegas um, and Memphis covered. Uh, there are so many variables in a day. How do you know a guy didn't, especially on the college game, 
how do you know a guy didn't have an argument with his girlfriend or um, is freaking out about a test or coach yelled at him or uh, he's under the weather, he's got a cold. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he's got an ouchy knee. Uh, uh, now, more and more basketball players are young men, not kids. Sometimes they're kids. They're not into a given game. That's almost unexplainable, but it happens all the time. Just not mentally prepared. So I've never been much of a gambler, not so much of those things. I hate the action. It ruins the game for me. But um, maybe that makes – maybe I should. we should start making picks. Maybe I'm a little more objective because of it. I'd like to we, we can we can definitely start making some picks. I'm I enjoy gambling. Um, but honestly, I'm the kind of person who I like going to a casino where I'm actually got a hand in the game a little bit. Then then when I lose, uh, instead of just blaming this cruel, cruel world, I can blame myself, which I'm just an expert at. So that makes me feel more comfortable knowing that when this goes completely tails up, which it inevitably will, because uh, it's a casino and you always will lose. Same with betting. Um you know, that I can blame myself. And that's, I'm more comfortable with that. Well, yeah, you Catholic guilt. I mean, it's, it's, it's part a, of your DNA. I wasn't going to say it, but you did. So <laughs> it's yeah, just, it's okay. we're just being honest it's at this Catholic. point. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's Catholic guilt running rampant. And, and, and then, and then when I win a couple hundred dollars at blackjack, it still kind of stings just right, kind of right there in the back. It's <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> gets me going in and going out. Lovely. All right, let's well, talk a little bit about the NBA. Maybe you should make the trip uh, right before Christmas and the Billikens play Drake in Las Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. I'm afraid I'm afraid of how I would react. You got to go. All right, we're going to make that happen. Oh, All right, on to the NBA. Oh, what do you go. got for me? On to the NBA. Uh, we talked a little bit about them uh, in the last show, and it's only gotten more impressive. The Golden State Warriors just – they continue. Yeah. I mean, since we talked, since we talked, they, the, the Nets game happened – Curry went for 37, and the game was over midway through the the fourth. Durant might still be the singularly most talented player right now at, at any moment in a vacuum, but I think it's pretty clear that Steph Curry has has gone back in a time machine. It's 2016. He's leading the MVP discussion, and this is otherworldly. And that's that's Steph. I mean, he's it's unbelievable what he's doing. It's back in that mode where at any point in the game he could just hit this ridiculous step back 30 footer. And then all of a sudden there's just an avalanche of points and crazy basketball plays being made all over the court by the Warriors. Um, he is a beautiful player to watch. Truly, truly beautiful. You know, my all-time favorite player um, was a bit of a brute, power forward Carl Malone. Um, although the, the, the last two-thirds of his career when he developed that jump shot, um, yeah. It kind of changed his game a little bit, but the brute force, the bigger, bigger, stronger, faster was always a part of his game from start to finish. Curry is to me, the beauty of the game, certainly high flyers um, mm-hmm. that play above the rim. There's, there's a beauty to that, but the, the slick ball handling, the strength to have the quick release, the lightning quick release, the beauty mm-hmm. of the arc of the shot, that looks the same every time that just splashes nothing but net. There's, there's a true beauty to that. Um, uh, and, and aside from the results that make him the best ever, the beauty of his game makes it as fun to watch as, as the brute guys, as the high flyers, as anybody else. 
yeah, that first year where he really started going atomic just on a nightly basis is one of my most fun experience watching sports because, I mean, like I said, it was it was it's just like the thing we're saying now. There was at any point in the game, he could just personally unload ten points in a way in like a ninety second span in a way that you'd never seen somebody score a basketball before, no matter yeah. how long you've been watching the game. You know, unless you're pulling out archival footage of you know Pistol Pete just you know murdering some team with a fifty point outing, which I'm sure he did you know on a regular basis as well. It's just you can't compare it to anything else in basketball history. And somehow after injuries and with a different team, a slightly different team, I should say, he's doing it again. And that's another thing that I don't think a lot of people are noticing with the Warriors is just how ridiculous this team-building job has been. They had three first-round picks over the last two drafts. Those guys have played a combined, I think, 180 minutes. Kaminga, Moody, and last year's second overall pick, uh, Wiseman. They're not playing, and yet this team is on a 70-win right. pace. And it's because yeah. of guys like Kavon Looney and Damian Jones and uh, Jordan Poole and things like Jordan Poole's averaging 17 points a game after averaging 11 last year. He's in the most improved player of the year candidate. It, Andre Guadal is still making plays all over the court at, at like 36 years old. So it's this insane combination of – what they've been doing since 2016 for five years now with this new school kind of group. And heck, I haven't even mentioned Andrew Wiggins is a good shooter now. Like this, this this is inexplicable. This is, there's so many pieces of this that make no sense. And Andrew Wiggins being a good shooter and an engaged defender and shock. I don't know if this is crazy. I know anyone who ever watched basketball, but at six, eight and 215 pounds, when he's an engaged player, Andrew Wiggins is a very good defender. Shocking, shocking development. We all have known it since, you know, he was traded for Kevin Love in the first overall pick. But he's finally putting it together. And, of course, he's doing it with the Warriors, which I'm sure most people who like the NBA who are hearing this are angry. And that's very fair because even if you like the Warriors, you can admit and look back and be like, having to deal with, like, a second era of Steph just murdering your team, that's, that's not fun for basketball fans. But for us who don't have a team, it's very fun. We can step back and just, again, as I said, the beauty, the grace, the dominance, those things are fun. And don't forget, the Warriors still have a weapon to come. I don't know what are, – are you uh, – are they talking about when that could happen? Uh, I think – I think he's out. I think he's out until after New Year's. And I think at the well, earliest, I think, is the timetable. Well, What's interesting to me about that, the timing of that is that starts to get into a time that some of the young players, first-year players, draft picks, sometimes even guys that just don't get to play a lot, you start to hit a wall, sort of that mid-season wall, and to get an infusion of not just fresh legs, but of an unbelievable talent, that second half could be even more explosive for the Warriors. I'm trying to get a, a a better timeline than what I had because uh, I think, again, it's after New Year's. But, again, it's just the fact that they're doing this. And I, I didn't even mention the fact that they're doing this without Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. Uh, yeah. And I think it speaks to also Steve Kerr is, is an incredibly good coach. Um, they've been able to keep this motion offense going and to incorporate the different little keys um, and, and change it when you have injuries to things like 
Clay Thompson. And when Draymond Green is no longer the offensive player that he that he was at, at times in that first run, and to to loop in all these young players and to hell do it without having to loop in all these other young players who are super talented. Kaminga's played a little bit, but Moses uh, Moody and Wiseman really haven't. It's just it's extremely impressive what we're seeing and. There's a lot of reasons not to like the NBA, the way teams tank, the way teams, uh, yeah. know, the way stars complain and things like that. The Warriors, for a lot of reasons, even going back to the original run, are are a perfect salve for a lot of those things. And so you want to watch some NBA games. They're fun. And if you can get past the – and I, I know you and I agree on this one – the just unbelievably just – nose up in the air ownership and in, in front office that runs the golden state warriors which even if you're a fan is annoying um they're, they're just they're a great team to watch if you're trying to watch good basketball and i think when it comes to the nba a lot of people are skeptical about that but man you you can't ask for somebody to ping the basketball around better than the warriors do it's ridiculous yeah, and the other guys, I don't know who you like to watch around the league. You mentioned Durant, who doesn't like to watch him. Obviously, is a St. Louisan. Uh, Jason Tatum is always on our radar. I always check mm-hmm. the Wizards' scores and highlights and games when I can because of Bradley Beal, but I'm not going to say I have a favorite team until Jordan Goodwin makes their roster. Um, it's interesting to me um, the way Jay Good is playing – uh, in their on their G League on the Wizards G League team, um, and I'm trying to think about how the front office thinks about him. Do they want him logging heavy minutes now to really to really even out his game and to make sure it's what they want? And maybe when they if they say we do really like this guy, but when he comes up, we don't want him to be a DNP coach's decision guy. We mm-hmm. want him to be, if not in the top eight, certainly a guy maybe getting eight eight minutes a game, something like that. I wonder if that's part of the thinking process because he's killing it. Yeah, he had another game, uh, 20 points, seven assists, seven rebounds. That's what you want to see from him. His his He had a couple rough games in there where he was scoring about how many field goals he was taking, so the efficiency uh, wasn't exactly what you wanted yeah. to see it as, but he was still assisting on shots. He was getting read for me. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch any of the Cabo City Go-Go streams that I've been able to find, is that what, what is he doing on defense? Is he just guarding ones and twos, or do they have him doing a super utility role where he's even guarding threes and fours and maybe even sometimes smaller fives on switches? Because that's a huge thing in the NBA right now. If you're an undersized guy who can run out on the perimeter and even in the offense just be a passer and a finisher, not necessarily even a three-point shooter, even though he's – Doing, he's looking a little better there. If you can just be that glue guy on offense, but if you can be a four-position switch guy on defense, that completely changes the trajectory of how you get minutes, when you get minutes, how yeah. many minutes you get. And so that's the big thing I'm going to be wondering with Jordan looking forward is, is he guarding all four to five spots on switches? Because that's that's the key where the NBA teams has to start, you know, pricking their ears up a little bit. He obviously did that at the college level. The NBA is a whole different – whole different game it's a different animal so um i'll be looking forward to seeing uh, your tape breakdown of that topic i just gotta find the capital city go-go stream it's not the easiest thing in the world i just need to i just need to get back to where i was back in like 15 16 when i was watching the warriors i just need to find nba league pass because i bet if i have league pass there's got to be a way to, to watch some g league games and and i want you also this- i, I want to watch orlando because tillman's still 
Tillman's still playing for the Orlando Maddox G League team. G League team. This is uh, this gets into the nerd world for a second, but um, I have way too many T-shirts. I've tried to purge. Said I'm not buying any more T-shirts, but because it's a unique name and logo, I probably got to get a Capital City T-shirt, don't I? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I yeah, I think you do. I think yeah, so. you got to do that. Yeah, get yeah, a Capital I City mean, Go Go shirt. We'll get you. We'll get you a pizza Go Go shirt from my favorite pizza place here in St. Louis. We'll tie it all together. Well, it's all business. There it is. It's all about the business. Um, uh, we already mentioned looking ahead to the Billiken game. By the way, if you're a Billiken fan uh, watching two-man game here on Claves Online, don't forget the Mercer game at Schaefer's Arena is at 4 o'clock, an early mm-hmm. start, 4 o'clock. So do not forget that. If you show up at 7, hey, I got a great spot. The parking lot's <laughs> empty. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to work. 4 o'clock, and then it's on to, uh, and then it's on to Mexico. So um, when we talk next week, I'll be in Mexico, and Woo-hoo. hopefully we'll get Wi-Fi. Um, uh, it should work. Um, it should. I may have to uh, uh, hablo espanol to get on, but we'll give it a shot. Un poquito? Poquito. Poquito, okay. Poquito. I, I can get us to the biblioteca and the pharmacia, but that's about, that's about all I got. Uh, discotheque. Think we got a third location. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, in, in real quick, things to look forward to the next three, four days on the NBA side that you're looking to, to observe. Oh, um, Warriors actually are a little bit down. I'm trying to think of their schedule right now. That's um, I'm completely blank on the schedule I was going to watch this weekend. I actually got a big movie weekend planned. So I actually okay. I, I was going to yeah I'm gonna, I'm watching um, King Richard. The Will Smith movie talking about uh, the, the story oh. of this, uh, Venus and Serena that dropped on Friday today. I'm watching that this weekend. I'm going to be watching Mercer this weekend, and then I'm probably also going to watch another movie at the theaters. So I got a big I got a big movie weekend coming up here. I don't know how much NBA basketball I'm going to catch here over this weekend. Huh? Monday night, good slate. That's what I'm going to be watching. Very good, very good. Well, that's going to wrap things up on Two Man Game. We want to thank our sponsors and thank thank folks for. Uh, tuning in. We'll be back. We should be back Tuesday in time to preview the Billiken, Illinois state game. And um, I'll be in Mexico. Who knows where rock will be, but um, we'll fill you in on everything basketball in particular, the Billikens and the NBA. Everybody. I'm going to be right here with a different, with just a slightly different uh, album in the background. Okay. Is that going to be your stick album cover background? So far, we've so far we uh, episode one was Teddy Pendergrass, episode two was The Police, episode three was Bruce Springsteen, episode four is Stevie Wonder. When you run out, I've got about 250 vinyl covers. Oh. Albums. What's funny is I've kept them all, I don't have a turntable. <laughs> well, I, well, we're gonna have to do two things one, I'm gonna have to look through that and take some, two, we're gonna get you a turntable. All right, very good. That's Matt Rocchio. I'm Bob Ramsey. Thanks for joining us. It's the two man game. Right here on Klabes Online. Have a great weekend, everyone.